podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. This show is brought to you in partnership with Liberty Shield, the perfect VPN companion for all your entertainment and privacy needs, where you can get a massive 25% off using the coupon code AIVPN. Yep, that's right, 25% off with the coupon code AIVPN. Liberty Shield offers free VPN apps for iOS, Android, Amazon Fire Stick, Mac and Windows. Now, Liverpool, you're officially back. You almost put me in a snooze fest. I did a little bit of comfort eating, but we won that game. It was by no means pretty. But I guess what you've got to take into consideration is you've been crowned champions. You don't really have the crowd to kind of push and spur you on. These things were going to happen. It finished 2-0 to the Reds. Um, hopefully we're back on course for that um, you know, the, the, the high points tally. Um, sorry there. Um, Hakeem was completely throwing me off in the Discord chat. Stop it. Okay, stop it. And without guys, I'm trying to produce, I'm trying to do everything. So guys, um, it's, I've got two awesome guests. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to introduce them to you. First up, contributor on the AI podcast and the Desi podcast. The man with the legendary tri- tight trousers. It's an honour to have on my good friend and my big brother, Cam Branch. How are you doing, Cam? I'm good, Nina. How's you? I'm really good, you know. It's just good to be back to winning ways, you know, champions and all that, you know. It's just nice. But it's it's great, great, great to have you back on. And joining Cam, this is going to be a really good podcast because I've got two awesome dudes with me. You've heard him many a times on the podcast. He does the Transfer Podcast, host of the USA Podcast, talks a little bit about baseball as well. Awesome guy on Twitter, overall awesome human being. My other brother from across the pond, who I will probably debate about with regards to biscuits and cookies. It's an honour to have on Justin Wells. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm shockingly awake after that, but doing well. Um, it- yeah, I think it certainly helps that that game is played. That game was played basically between like you know right before noon and one p.m. in in the uh, on the east coast of the U.S. But uh, yeah, bit a uh, bit a uh, snooze fest right there. And uh, happy to be doing this alongside Cam. I know. I don't have. Have you two worked together before? We've Ooh. spoken to each other. We've interacted. I don't think we've ever actually done a podcast together. I, I don't recall. I don't recall. I, I don't think you've been on together. Maybe like one of you's been a caller, but I don't think I've had you on as a panel. So you know, this is going to be fun. Really, a shit game to talk about, but the panel's good. So it's all it's all good. It's all good on the podcasting scene, guys. Before I get into you talking about the game and the team lineup, I want to get your thoughts. I mean, how did you go into this before the game? I mean, what were your thoughts? I mean, we had that massive disappointing result against Man City. Which, in 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 the grand scheme of things, really meant for call, but we did lose, and I think there were some disheartened people. So, Cam, I'll come to you first. I mean, what was what was going through your head like before the game, and what are you feeling now? 
um, it, like you say, it was a snooze fest. Um, before the game, I'm not really sure what I was expecting because the goal has always been to win the league. And we've done that. The, the players obviously have done that. And their mindset now is completely different. They, they don't really have a big motivation apart from obviously, you know, wearing the shirt, trying to get points, records, blah, blah, blah. That's not the same as trying to win the league. They've achieved that. So to expect them to suddenly be playing at a, a, an awesome level, I think is asking a bit much. So to come away with a 2-0 win in the end was uh, was just satisfying, I think. Um, that's the best way I can put it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was like, kind of like, before this game, I was like, I want to absolutely Hammerville. And then you see Pepe Rainer in Nets and then I'm like, I don't want him to get embarrassed because, you know, he is like a Liverpool, you know, legend to me, you know, if I'm being absolutely honest. But I mean, your your thoughts, Justin, I mean, how were you um, after like the, the City game? What were your feelings building up towards this game? I think we were, it's, it's such a strange, it's a strange feeling for us fans. I imagine it being very, very strange for the players as well to be in this position. Yeah, you, you know, the City and Liverpool rivalry has gone back and forth where both teams have actually given each other respective hidings. And all, aside, it, like, there have been good games and, and absolute beatings. And that just wasn't our day. Um, we took a beating. I was able to quickly get over it because all it did was narrow the gap between the two of us to 20 points. So, like, I, I, can't, I can't read too much into that. It's one game. I couldn't read too much into the first half of this one because it's one game. But I just felt like uh, a lot of what Cam said is true. And I think the only other thing that, there, that I really have to add to it is I could see potentially that there are going to be some players who are going to play for individual bonuses in their contract. And sometimes when you have players doing that where they're, you know, I, I'm, like I'm sure between Mane and Salah, like, you know, each one of them probably has uh, a golden boot clause in their contract that they'd really like to see hit. And it's never, it's sometimes not the best thing for the team when you have that kind of competition where that's the only, where that's the only goal left, right? Because obviously they probably have, you know, winners bonuses for the league in their contracts. And those are probably a lot bigger than like, you know, the golden boot bonus that they probably have written. And now that they've covered all those, basically it's just what are players playing for? Really, you know, individual uh, accolades. Some fringe players are trying to play themselves inside for next season. And that sometimes does lead to disjointed and potentially selfish play. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so people are kind of joining us now. At first, it was just myself, Justin and Cam, but we are joined by a caller. Um, I will bring him in. I think he's a first-time caller because, like, the name doesn't look familiar, so I'm quite excited. Um, uh, Joining us first, our first caller. Hopefully, anyone else want to join us? Please, please, please please feel free to just drop me a line and I can get you on. But our first caller is Mane Sos. Welcome to the show. Uh, Hi there, Nina. Very excited to be on. Great to have you on. I believe it's your first time calling. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I actually called before AI Pro Lake got big. One of the early days of the Nina Causer show. And this was before we had a midfield of Nabi Kaita. And the Ox playing. And I think the last time I called, my biggest issue was with Henderson and how passive he was. And ever since we've got midfielders like Kaita and Oxlade, I always felt like we'd get more dynamic, something we're also seeing with the Thiago links. However, I mean, coming to my main question at hand, my thing was that even though we had Ox and Kaita on the pitch, and even though like football Twitter was all over this game and about how we were going to whoop them, 
I feel like there wasn't really that sort of di- direction or penetration that we'd expect having those sort of like midfielders and their technical abilities on the pitch, you know. No, it's it's a very good good question and um I mean, I'll stick with you first, Mani, and then I'll, I'll move to the panel. I mean, do, do you think it's... Um, I mean, you looked at the midfield today, and if you looked at it, it had a lot of creativity in Naby Keita and Ox, um, starting with Fabinho as the holding. I mean, did you, I mean, were you quite shocked and surprised at maybe how poor that midfield was kind of performing? Certainly um, in, in the one player, in certainly like an Oxlade-Chamberlain, where I felt like, you know, we were kind of struggling to make the more simple pass in the first half and the pace wasn't there. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I feel like, you know, the same, like whenever Firmino comes on, how, how the system changes first, like how it changed when he came on against Newcastle, I felt like Firmino's the only one who's able to get that sort of diamond, dynamism in our play on a consistent basis. And it shouldn't be up to Fabinho, who's like our holding midfielder. And I mean, we know his second stats and like Gags and the whole UP team has talked about, like, you know, wax lyrical about how he, how progressive he is from our midfield. But for our two eights to not be that progressive, especially knowing that their technical abilities, I mean, their profiles are completely for, I mean, like to bypass the opposition, like second block or something. For that not to, to happen whatsoever and to have a Rigi up front who's already not giving us any sort of movement, really, I think, stymied the way we wanted to play. So even though we were pay- playing fast, I didn't feel like we were doing anything really. We were just going from side to side. Justin, I, um, Justin, I believe you want to come in, but... Um, yeah. Go, go for it. There's, there, I get what you're saying, but I also think that you're being a bit unfair in your level of criticism here. The last mm-hmm. time that this midfield played together as a starting three was against Genk in the group stages away. That was in October, right? It's July now. Mm. They haven't played as a three in that long. We're dealing in a situation where outside that 90 minutes against Palace, right, where I think we really saw blood and just knew that basically we could put th- this title away quickly. We haven't been good since the break. It's been ragged. Nobody's really had a chance to develop a rhythm. And if you look at how the players have been used all season, right? Fabinho, stop-start season due to injury, was incredible for the beginning of the season. Came back from his injury, has been, was, was crap for, for his particular standards, right? I'm not saying Fabinho's a crap player, saying crap for his standards. Comes back, and, that, and now he's come back. And he's, he's got a little bit of a rhythm. Like, he's probably been the best of, uh, you know, the three who started today since he came back. Kaida, good against Everton. Good when he came on against City. Good when he came on against Palace. Thought he was very good today, in particular when he was joined by Henderson and Wijnaldum. And then Ox, if you look at his season, he hasn't been played consistently in any one spot. Played in midfield at the start of the season, um, came in as a substitute, was only playing once a week, got pushed to the front line when Mane went down, has been pulled back into midfield. So none of these guys have had a chance to first off play together as a three consistently, um, have developed any sort of consistent rhythm individually because of injury and disruption and, uh, you know, in the case of Fabinho and Kaida, and in the case of Ox being played all over the place. And now they're coming back to a game that's totally dead rubber, where also apparently yeah. Liverpool was windy as hell today. And, you, you know, that makes passing the ball very, very difficult against a team where they're playing against a team that's actually playing for something to stay up when we've already accomplished our goal. So I get what you're saying, right? But... And then if you're looking for the dynamism, how do we actually get off the mark? It's Kaida playing a fantastic ball through the box, and he gets into the box, gets a touch in the box, and makes a pass in the area. 
right? So while I understand your criticism, I think that there's a lot of po- uh, holes you can poke in it from this one 90-minute glimpse of thinking that there's anything really we can divine from it. Hmm. And before I jump to um, Cam to get his thoughts, um, uh, uh, Gags, you know what, Gags is not producing, but he's in here watching my move to see how good or bad I am, but he's asked me to ask you real name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's Benet. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, you can call me Manu, so it's fine. <laughs> that means uh, I'm Manu, so I'm, I'm, I'm always changing up people's names. But before you do leave, I mean, I'm going to go to Cam now. Do leave your Twitter handle with us. Um, if you are on Twitter, it's just a way that we can kind of shout you out on, on social media as well for, for the podcast. Um, Cam, I'm going to come to you. I want to get your thoughts on, on the whole um, midfield trio, because, again, that kind of ties in nicely to maybe the, t- the starting lineup. I was quite surprised to see those changes. I want to get your thoughts. What did you make of the performances? Um, I, I was I was a little bit surprised Ox started because I thought against Man City he he, he didn't have a very good game at all. Um, he looked completely off his game. Um, he, he doesn't seem to have that dynamism at the moment. That you know the the bursting runs, the power. He, he he's he's very much a rhythm player. Um, he needs games, so I I can understand playing him. But he was just so off today that disrupted the balance of the midfield for me. And in the first half, especially, I felt Naby was too central. And that was leaving a lot of space for Robertson on the left. And there was a lot of space to be exploited. But then his link-up play with Mane was then really poor. So why Naby was getting dragged central in the first half, I'm not so sure. There was a, there was a point for the first 20 minutes where Naby was actually on the, the right-hand side of Fabinho. So the, the balance for whatever reason, just didn't work. Um, whether that was down to no Bobby up top as well. And to try and expect this midfield to still suddenly come in, like Justin says, play against a team that has something to play for. You know, that they they played well, Villa. They stopped us yeah, playing. You know, let's, let's not take away what Villa did to us rather than try and look at what we should have been doing or did not do. Because Villa came in with a plan and it worked and we'd we'd gone into that game with without three re, three regular players if you want to if you want to look at it in an, in that form you know divock started very rarely starts nabby started very rarely starts ox started very rarely starts and that disrupted the rhythm in the first half you can see the the, the difference in the in the way the game suddenly developed after the 60th minute when ginny and hendo came on because Let's be honest, they've been playing together so often for the whole season, there's a better understanding there. To expect that midfield to suddenly produce since August is was asking a lot in that respect. Um, we've also been, just in touch on something, we've been poor since February. We were struggling um, in games. You look, you look at the Watford away, um, we, we, we got our asses handed to us. You look at um, even the Villa, the Bournemouth game, the last game before the uh, the lockdown, we, 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 it wasn't a great game. We, you know, we, we were just getting over the line. So, again, today, it's, it's great that um, Jürgen put this midfield in because we want to see this midfield. We want to see this attacking midfield. But I think not having Bobby there as a link-up was was a big problem. Divock didn't didn't do anything in this game, and and that made it difficult. 
and the ball just wasn't getting to the front three at all. There, there's also something else that like that that I think that we don't that we don't get to and appreciate enough, which is when you look at how we make space, right? The passing triangles often occur are Henderson, Trent, Sala, and Robbo, Mane, and Ginny, right? They're so used to, everybody around them is used to that pattern of play too, and you're putting in players who are doing different things, right? Nabi Keita is going to grab the ball deeper and run at players, which is something Jenny's not going to do. Ox doesn't do anything that Henderson typically does to create space for Trent to cross and Salah to run into. That's going to have an impact too. It's just, if you don't have players playing together that regularly in that kind of system where they're, you know, where you're replacing two critical roles, like the two eights that, you know, that Henderson and Wijnaldum do, which are incredibly critical roles for how we attack, right? You're, you're going to struggle. No, you are absolutely. And I always say that there's always a massive drop when we kind of change up some of our players. Um, I mean, like Cam just kind of spoke about Divock Origi. We'll get into that later on in, in, in the show. But like, I that's one thing I'm crying for. I want, uh, you know, the likes of Minamino and I want the likes of Nabiketa to get up to scratch. And, you know, so it seems, especially Minamino, I want him to have more game time. I think it's very, very crucial. You know, those are things that I'm kind of screaming for, for from these teams. Um. Uh, Manosos, I'll come back to you. I'll let you have the final say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say that my the main part of my question was that obviously we put Oxlade and Kaita in our midfield today in order to achieve something. And it was obvious that they were the ones who were supposed to give us drive. I just wanted to know that considering we know who Klopp's most trusted midfielders are, who do we see being our midfield three next season considering... Both of these guys have had stop-start seasons. And although, I mean, Kaita is the easier choice, I'm trying to put this up for, I mean, a more hypothetical debate, considering, do you, do you guys even think we need another midfielder coming in? Ooh, I, I, wonder, I wonder what he's referring to there. <laughs> I wonder. Cam, <laughs> uh, I'll come to you first. I mean, what would... Because I feel like, you know, when you look at the team, the, the front three start, picks itself. You know, the midfield picks. I mean, the midfield, I feel like there's always a kind of a debate in terms of what people prefer, but we know what Jurgen Klopp tends to go for. Defence, you know, we know what the defence is and the goalkeeper just, yeah, you know, it's pretty easy. So in your... If you could construct the perfect midfield and, you know, you can even throw in maybe a potential player that would be linked to, who would be your preferred midfield of choice? I think there's one name that everyone kind of goes with. I think Fabinho's is is everyone's first choice, but I'm yeah. not putting words into into your mouth, so you go with it. Well, you can't argue really with the midfield that has won as the league. That's what the prize is every season. Surely that is what we are about as a football club now is winning the league. That's got to be the first priority. As as Shankly said, that's our bread, or, or Paisley said, whoever it was, the league is our bread and butter. And that's where Liverpool need to need to strive to be back to. So right now, the midfield has to be the one that wins the league. Now, it hasn't always been Fabinho, Hendo and Ginny. He has mixed it up throughout the season ever so slightly. He The, the midfield is the one, one part of the pitch that uh, Jurgen Klopp has always rotated. We know he always keeps the front, same front three. We know he keeps the same front uh, back five. Midfield is the one that gets rotated. If you're asking me what is my preferred midfield, 
based on my limited football knowledge and analysis, I would like to see Fabinho, Naby and Ginny right now. That's the That would be my preferred. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I feel that has got the power, the dynamism, the creativity that, you know, all the fans are, are screaming for because creativity is coming from Naby. We, we saw that today um, when the changes were made, how, how much better Naby looked. You know, he was suddenly linking up with uh, uh, Bobby and Mane a lot better. So that would be my preferred midfield. As to the rumours about Thiago, it's just rumours. And would he be a great addition? Yes, there's no doubt about it. He's a, he's a world-class player. Everybody knows this. Um, he, 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 he's, he has had the injuries. They're not an awful lot of injuries, as, as people think. I mean, I've had a look at his minutes. He's played, of, over the last five seasons, he's played a very similar amount of minutes to what Jordan Henderson has. Very, very similar. Now, Jordan Henderson had a, a big injury with his heel and his foot, which took him out for a lot of games. But minutes-wise, um, I think over the last five years, the difference is about three, 400 minutes. So it's not a huge amount. You know, they're both in the 9,000 minutes for five seasons. So they're averaging a lot of minutes per season. Has he got the quality? Yes. Would he bed in into a Jurgen Klopp team? I've no doubt he, he would. You know, he's a world-class player. Is he the right player to go for if the price is right? Ooh. And what about yourself, Justin? I know, you, you know you're probably looking at this team. I mean, Cam does make a very good point. You know, Jurgen Klopp has tinkered with the midfield ever so slightly. He's kind of changed it up with some of the players. Um, who would you go with? If you're Jurgen Klopp or, you know, you could construct the most perfect midfield, who would it be and why? Well, so I have to say this, and, with a, and this is something I also say on the, on the transfer rumors pod when to see what I have, you know, able to do it, um, is that I'm a perfect person to hold, open a, to host a transfer pod because I don't actually give a shit about transfer rumors. Um, so Tiago, basically, I'm treating as not like he's here, and I don't know, and, and because we there's so much uncertainty, I'm only going to make assumptions based on what's at the club right now. For me, I'm basic. I'm on a similar page with Cam, with one exception. Um, I think that you 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 start Jordan Henderson over Jenny Wijnaldum, um, but I think it would be a Fabinho, Kena, Henderson midfield. Um, I think Wijnaldum is great because he's he's on versatility and he can play all three of those roles and becomes your next guy in, and he still plays a ton of minutes because, as everybody knows, our midfield rotates a bit. But I think in our big game midfield. One of the things that we need is more creativity to pen other teams back. I feel like sometimes we just rely so much on outworking other teams that we don't think about, um, you know, maybe just controlling them and outplaying them, pushing them into the corner. Uh, which is, I think, which is, I think, the next state of the evolution. Right? If you look at what Klopp, how Klopp has come with Liverpool, at first it was trying to blow teams away by counterattacking quickly. Then it became trying to pummel teams into submission by outworking them. Maybe the next step is going to be trying to go from. And maybe that's where the Tiago rumors come in, because if you think about it, a midfield of Tiago um, and uh, Keita playing just above Fabinho, 
there's a lot of talent there doing a lot of things that you and want in modern. And it takes a field. lot of pressure off Roberto Firmino because when he has a sneaker, yeah. you know about it. The, he has a sneaker, you know about it. But there's also there's creativity then from midfield, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, like, like that's the one thing that we don't do. It's by design, right? It's not really like uh, you know you could sit there and say that Henderson's had more assists, but most of those assists have been long balls over the top catching other teams napping. It's not cre- it's not creative in the conventional sense that you'd think of someone. A, you know, a Pirlo or a Xabi Alonso or a Regista who can break lines with you know seeing things that other that other midfielders aren't seeing when we have the ball. Sure. Um, so you'd think that maybe the next step could be you know putting something together where we have that pressing because if you look at it, our forwards press like press like maniacs. Fabinho presses like a maniac, and Keita gets around the pitch a lot, right? He does put tackles to shift it. So there's all the things that you're still looking for in a Liverpool side with, with them. But then you'd have another player who can provide for a, a pl- provide a platform with some clever passing as well, too. And I think that's probably the next evolution is uh, giving us a midfield that has energy, also has multiple ways of playing instead of the one we have right now, which is very much the pummel-you-to-death midfield, which I still like because it's pummeled plenty of teams to death, right? You don't, We've won the league with this midfield. Anybody at this point who has complaints about the person Fabinho Wijnaldum midfield, go support another team. Just just stop doing this, right? We know what this midfield's given us. It's given us a Champions League. It's given us a league title, right? It's given us a few other trophies along the way, too. There's, no, it, there's nothing left to prove with it. It's just that we need to evolve a little bit so that we don't become stagnant. Absolutely. Um, uh, so there you go, Emma. You have your answer there, uh, Mane Sauce. Um, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, thank you as well. Cheers, guys. It's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. Okay, so um, we've got another caller. And um, I don't think I've, I've spoken to this caller. What is it with newness on this show today? But I'm quite excited. Um, our next caller joining us is um, Yusab. Um, uh, welcome to the show. Hit the right button, brother. Yeah, if you unmute yourself, you should be able to come through. If you hit the mic button, you should be able to talk through. Bottom of your screen, left-hand side, if you're on a laptop, that is. If you're on the phone, it's on the bottom of your screen, left-hand side also. He's trying, he's <laughs> trying, he's trying, let's see. And this show is free, people. Shut up. This is live. This is authentic. It's raw. I don't think he's having any luck. Um, I mean, if you're struggling, are you, what you could do maybe is maybe type in your question um, and we'll, we'll try getting to it. Okay, whilst we wait for um, Ayub's question, guys, um, what we'll do is um, we'll just have um, a chat about um, something. And it was something that Cam touched on. Um, he kind of spoke about, you know, maybe the quality completely dropping off and maybe it was a bit unfair on that midfield, given the fact that, you know, the front three weren't the usual front three. And I think that's a really valid point. And I think one thing that we kind of really focused on on the game was um, Adiba Karigi's hair. You could tell the hairdressers were open, right? <laughs> and um, I sat there first and foremost, and um, I could not get over how blonde his hair was. Uh, you know, speaking, you know, and I'm speaking from experience, I have processed hair. I have been ginger for the best part of like three years. I cannot get my hair that like. So how he went to jet black hair. To Gibriel Cisse vibes is like he must have spent the entire day at the hairdressers yesterday. Well, 
I watched Demolition Man this weekend. It's, you know what? I watched it a few weeks ago and it was so apt, you know, with like the lack of contact this, and stuff. Yeah, it, and it, it, it was, but it's also, Divock's gone for that hair. He's gone for the Wesley Snipes Simon Phoenix guy. The Simon <laughs> Phoenix guy. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that he doesn't have is he doesn't like his Wesley. Wesley Snipes had a uh, great skill set. Had, had, had like a, 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 I, I merged a few things in my head here. He had like the greatest '90s flat top, yeah. and like Div, Div Div hasn't gone to that. Although we have seen him go with a flat top before. I think if he he could have gone for like the perfect pop culture merge if he had gone with the the, the '90s flat top and dyed it blonde um, at the end of last season. So we could have called him the Demolition Man after all of his goals brushed people's dreams. So what you're saying is he watched Demolition Man, got inspired. When I see pictures of him um, when he's off football duties wearing dungarees, we can well and truly say that he's been inspired. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's actually talk about his performance because I think I remember a quote from Fernando Torres and he said something along the lines of, when I want to change my fortune on the pitch, again, football is very superstitious. When I want to change my fortune on the pitch, I change up my hair now if you look back to Fernando Torres he was constantly changing up his hair and for some reason it would bring him some kind of look or um you know by the fact when he went brunette when he went to Chelsea and you know shit went sideways for him but that's another story for another day but if you look at his entire career he's always changed up his hair you know he's never been like the Javier Zanetti who kept the hair consistent for the best part of 20 years I mean I thought for me today um it was a really, really bad game for, you know, a, a, a few of the players. I felt like the pace wasn't there. But for me, the front three just looked really lacking. And I also noticed that Divock was really, really deep in this game. It was almost like he was trying to be Roberto Firmino, trying to pick the ball up from the midfield. I tweeted at one point during this game. that is Because I, 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 I'm actually wearing a Origi t-shirt at the moment. I love Divock Origi. But he does not a single thing that you want your number nine to do. The movement's all confused, mm. right? He doesn't particularly link or hold the ball up particularly. Like, the hold-up play is okay. It's not as bad as some of the other things that he was doing today. Like, head's not up. The passing is very imprecise. Um, he has only one move, and he overuses it pretty constantly. Um, he's not effective from the right side at all. He only really is effective on the left cutting in. And as, a, and as a number nine, he doesn't really make the kinds of runs to get into spaces that actually worry center backs. So what he ends up doing is just uh, collapsing space on whoever is to the side of him. Um, I actually think that he's, like, I, I don't think he's a total crap player. I think that he'd fit better in a side that played probably more long ball and held, and held the ball up. Um, basically, he should be playing for a lower, label, a lower level team in potentially another league. Absolutely. Um, uh, what I feel is um, he is like, I, I can't think who, who, t- who tweeted this. I think it might have been Simon Brundish. Is he the greatest, shittest footballer? And I think you've said something along them lines on my part. Sure, it was you, Justin. Oh, I absolutely have. I mean, I, I don't think he's particularly good. I don't think he ever has been particularly good. He just finds some really iconic moments, and I'll love him forever for them. But, like, I, I, I don't get confident when I see his name on a team sheet. I just, I, like, today, the first thing I thought of was I'd much rather see Minamino do this role because he's going to mm-hmm. approximate closer to what Firmino mm-hmm. does for you. And 
I, you know, I'm not going to say that I was upset that I didn't see it because in the end we won two nil, and I don't really have an agenda or an axe to grind. But at the same time, like it's been obvious what kind of player Divock Origi is for a while. I think to find out what we got in this player that we, you know, have had the luxury of a few extra months to bet in due to the, uh, you know, due, due to a, a global pandemic. Um, but I, I think that you know I, I'd rather have seen him. I'd rather have seen uh, Minamino because he would have actually allowed a, 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 bet, a, a bit more continuity in how we attack than uh, Origi's ever going to give you. Mm. And you know what? I'm gonna before I go to before I go to Cam and get his thoughts on um, uh, Divock Origi and um, uh, you know Minamino in general. Uh, that was um, the question that pretty much um, you sub kind of wanted to ask anyway. The telepathic, you're new on Discord, don't worry about it. We kind of picked up the vibe. Um, so I'll give you full credit for that question. It's yours. Um, I'll come to you, Cam. I mean, your thoughts on Divock Origi, because I do feel like when he plays, and yeah, he has scored some iconic goals. And yes, he did lead the front line against Barcelona. We'll never, ever forget those iconic moments. But when he comes on, we have to play a different way. And uh, I am actually with... Justin here because there's been a lot of talk about you know Minamino might be the rotation player for Roberto Firmino and I think you know Justin's um, a co-host on the transfer pod has made those shouts as well to Diva so Cam your thoughts I mean I'm not mad that you know he, you know he's one of those players that has scored some great goals and I think we'll love him forever but you you do watch him and you do kind of think you know what um yeah no. Hmm. No, you're right. Um Divock is, is a legend uh for the goals he scored last season. Um, you know, let's not take any way, anything away from him there. Um but today he's playing against the Villa team who are in the rele- relegation zone. He's playing for the league champions. Um and he he stank the place out. He 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 offered nothing. Um he, he first off he was Swapping with Mane, he was swapping with Mo. He was going out wide. He was coming back central, and it it was just causing too much disruption. I mean, I get it. He was trying to get into the game. It again, it didn't help that the midfield wasn't functioning well enough for the front three to really do anything. I mean, how often did Mo get the ball? Mo's our most dangerous striker, and he's not getting the ball. So if Mo's not getting the ball, when Divock's getting the ball, he he just looked devoid of any ideas. He just didn't look like he'd ever played with any of the players before. And he just, he looked lost. And that almost sums up his season. He's, he's, he's not performed all season. He's not lived up to any heights. You would have thought after last season, he would have been buzzing. He would have been confident. He would come into the game with a swagger. And he's regressed. And it, it's sad in a way. It is sad, but... Today, like I say, he, he, he had a stinker. He had an absolute stinker. Do you think he's... I mean, I'll, I'll just put it to both of you. I mean, do, do you think it's one of them where he needs a fair few games to kind of get heated up? Because for me, I feel like Divock Origi, if you bring him on, he's probably probably usually most lethal or most effective when he comes off off the bench. Yes. And he's, as Justin said, he's better when he's playing off the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, ju- he just doesn't look like he's... 
has any attributes to be a striker for me. He looks like he's a wide forward. That he looks better in that role. He looks better cutting in, um, and he is an impact player to a certain extent. Unless he's playing the Ev, of course, um, because he always seems to have a, a great game against the Ev. But um, he's Del Piero against the Ev. He's, yeah. he's, he's Roberto yeah, Baggio again. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you can tell the drop off in quality when Divock is on the pitch compared to our regular front three. And it, I would have, again, preferred, with hindsight now, watching the game, because I don't begrudge Divock playing. You know, it was Villa at the end of the day. You know, they're in the bottom three for a reason. So you can understand why Klopp played him. But if you want to try and keep the system similar to what you've been playing with the front three, you should have played Minamina. And that's hindsight talking. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, you said wants to add on to this just quickly. Um, obviously we're not we weren't overly impressed with the performance, but he wants us to rate his hair. What did we think of his hair? Um, you know what? Because we're so judgmental and we're so bitchy, I feel the need that we should actually maybe just what do we think of his hair? So, Justin, I'll come to you first. Do you like it? Do you hate it? I like it. Um, I think it's a good look for him. That it. Doesn't you know? I mean, he's a he's a he's a nice looking lad. You're tall. He's got yeah. a good. He's got a you know, nice looking face. I think the hair, you know, it, it works. Um, and you know, he's gonna dress like. If you look at his Instagram enough, you also know that he dresses like Neo from Matrix. So I'm pretty sure it'll get real weird. <laughs> it's not. I'm gonna stay really quiet. You know, I was really feeling the hair, and then I saw. Was his name Douglas Louise for Aston Villa? Yes, the yeah, they're, they're holding yeah, the I, I love the tone of his hair more. And um, for me, it was just basically the tone that I kind of desire on my hair. So for me, he just ever so slightly lost it on the pitch to Douglas Louise in terms of the, the tone of the colour because Douglas Louise was a little bit more ashy as for um, the um, Divokarigi was a li- little bit more warm and a bit more yellow tone. Cam, what about you? <laughs> this, this is great. <laughs> well, as Steve W says, and I think you touched on it earlier, it was very Jibril Cisse in, yeah. in what he had done. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't look bad with it. Let's put it that way. Um, I mean, years ago, I can remember I've done the old bit of bleaching here and there, as I say, not. Um, Trump bleach, but um, I have done, you know, <laughs> done it properly, gone to the addresses. So, um, it, yeah, it, it, it worked for him. You know, it's a shame uh, he, he didn't do anything with his feet to go with it. You know, so. you know what? You know what, though? If someone's going to make a say comparison on aesthetics, I'll make a CSA comparison on uh, kicking a ball. Um, both of them have put a ball in a net at critical portions in HIV's. Yep, legends. Okay, so we've we've kind of discussed Divokarigi's hair. You know what? I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit concerned now because Dell's just coming to the chat and he wants to know if he thinks he can brighten up this show. And we love Dell. So you know what? I'm gonna ask the panel, like, should we let him on? I mean, I, I think what are we that somber? We just spent five minutes talking about Divokarigi's hair. <laughs> Hakeem said no. <laughs> what do you think, Cam? Should we let him in or no? I'm dying here. Um, yeah, go on, let him in. 
Let him in. Because uh, if, if I say no, he'll think I've got an agenda against him, which I have. Okay, which you do have. So he's trying to hide the agenda by admitting <laughs> that you have the agenda. I like it, Cam. Okay, I'm going to unmute him, people. Uh, by the way, we have to keep him on a server mute because he just can't stay quiet. So I'm going to unmute him. I'm going to press that button. Right, here. Hello. Hey, you guys doing? You right? We're good, Dale. How are you? Um, well, I've seen better games in my life. Uh, first off was a snooze fest. Um, honest God, I was, I was almost up falling asleep. Uh, but what brought up the uh, game was that uh, ball from Trent to Naby to... Uh, that ball from Trent to Marnie to Naby. That was me up. Um, and the substitution really like to all change the game as well, I feel, with Henderson coming on and, and so on and so forth. But um, it, just, it, just, it just goes to show that we do definitely need to upgrade on certain players here within our squad, uh, i.e. Origi and the likes, you know, Kadija and Lovren. It'll be interesting to see uh, which direction the club takes uh, in summer. It will, absolutely. I mean, your sound was a little low. I think you had the fan going on as well. Um, I'm not a sound expert, but everyone's like, well, <laughs> I don't know what you said. I did hear him ever so slightly. You know what? He didn't come on and he didn't sing We Are The Champions. He, um, If no one heard, I'll kind of repeat it. The gist was really happy with the with um, the second half performance, the subs. But one thing he kind of noticed was we kind of do need some reinforcements in the, the summer. But he felt like the, the senior players that came on made a difference. So, you know what, because the first half was really, really dreadful, um, what we'll do is we'll kind of talk about the, the three subs that Klopp threw on and um, we'll, we'll get discussing and, you know, uh, pick up points from what Bell said there. Cam, um, I'll come to you first. Um, of course, in, in the second half, we, Jürgen Klopp makes no, no, no subs and we're pretty much still playing at the same kind of pace. You know, if you kind of go back to the villa, the game at Villa Park, I felt like that was a high-intensity game. I thought we played really well. I thought they played really well um, in terms of the pace of the game. It was pretty much non-stop. You know, it had intensity. This game, not so much. We couldn't string a pass. But then Jürgen Klopp makes three, you know, big changes. You know, your first team is that you kind of expect to see on. And, of course, Jordan Henderson comes on. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy yeah. and of course Roberto Firmino, and then we do start playing better. Yeah, and we touched on it. The reason we started playing better is because these players, the three players that have come on, have gelled a lot quicker with the rest of the team because they've been playing the majority of the season together. Um, the understanding was better that the, the the passing sped up a little bit. We we're moving, obviously, we we're moving the ball a lot quicker then. Um, we started to use the flanks better, and once we opened the game up a bit more, we, you know, the, by opening the game up, it, it drew Villa out a little bit as well. And Villa, Villa had to try and win the game. You know, th- this was a a game they were expected to lose, so they had nothing to lose by trying to win the game. Um, so that then helped, you know, in that last half an hour because Villa felt we're still in the game, we've got a chance. So just sort of fell into place a little bit better. But the, the free sub definitely changed the dynamic of the game completely for me. Yeah, they did, absolutely. And Justin, I'll come to you because I felt like, you know, 
Villa had a very, I think, a very, very like sound kind of game plan. It kind of felt like what they were going to do was defend deep, hold hold a disciplined line, and if and when they get the opportunity, maybe just hit us on the break. And obviously, that um, as the game went on, um, there weren't many shots on target. It was a really, really dull affair. I think maybe at the best case scenario, they were kind of hoping for. You know, a point would have been a fantastic result given the fact that they have so much to play for. And, you know, this is Liverpool. But I felt like when those three came on, I felt like it changed up a little. I I kind of noticed little things that Roberto Firmino was doing things that maybe Divokovicki couldn't in terms of pressing. No, pressing and linking up with the, the other mm. forwards. Like, there, there, there was that one-two with Salah that was extremely nice between Firmino and Salah when we hadn't quite... I, think, I, I don't think we'd scored quite yet at that point. But, like, there's more... There's... Just they, they, they understand how each other play more. They understand spaces that the other two like to occupy. All three of them know the spaces that the, they want to occupy, and Divock doesn't do that. So that's why Bobby's going to make us look better. And then I think with Henderson, a lot of it is just at this point, um, without getting too much into the, you know, the, the typical, he's got the armband, he drives us forward mentality. He does add impetus to our play, and he does add a bit of intensity to it. And I think that that was something that... Um, you know, I, I don't want. I'm not trying to sit there and say that, like, you know, Ox didn't. Ox and Fabinho didn't push us forward, right? Because we had the ball in their area and had the ball seventy five percent of the ball, right? It's just more along the lines of the fact that maybe Ox wasn't the right, you know, just didn't have his, you know, the boots for creativity or shooting today and didn't use them. But Henderson, you know, came in and I think he just allowed uh, everybody else a bit more freedom. Did a decent job as the six. It was tidy. And when Gin, Ginny did what, you know, Ginny does when he's playing well, which is no, don't give the ball away. Take pressure off of people and cover a ton of, ton of ground. And I think that those, you know, those tweaks just, uh, they freed up Kata a bit more. He got, he got forward a bit more. And they freed up uh, the two fullbacks a bit more. And we created more as a result. And it was, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a much more pleasant end to the game because of those changes. The last half an hour, we scored twice and we looked a lot closer to, what we'd look like at full strength, even though it still looked like we were kind of jogging through the game at points. Absolutely. And I think the inclusion of uh, Ginny Wijnaldum and Jordan Henson as well, we need to remember as well, both of those were, I mean, like for me, that game against City, the midfield was pretty much non-existent, which maybe kind of made sense why Jurgen Klopp decided to change it up ever so little because like, yeah, you two were the best. So, you know, you could come off, maybe get a little rest. But I felt like maybe that little bit of a timeout, a little bit of a reality check, come back out, you're playing at home. I know it doesn't mean an awful lot because there's no fans, but it must be like, so hard to be crowned champion. Oh, look at me, like, oh my god, it's so hard to be champions. But you know, you've been crowned champions. It's you know, you you're feeling things that you've probably never felt before. It's a new experience for you. And I don't care what anyone says. Fans play a huge role in football. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, if the fans were there, you know, they would have been cheering on and pushing those players on. It must be so. It must be so strange being champions and then you actually don't have fans to rely on because I think there's a big emphasis, certainly on Liverpool. And you know, Jurgen Klopp always talks about the fans, but Liverpool really do rely on the crowd. And even though they don't really need them because they've been crowned champions, but you're you're there, you've won, and you know you're getting no inspiration. It's it's hard. Oh yeah, it's very hard. And if you also Anfield also is close like there's a lot of people a lot closer to the pitch than in almost any other stadium in England. So mm. 
it, 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 atmosphere matters, right? There's a reason that home field advantage is seen as an advantage in sports, right? It's not like, uh, it, it, the conditions for teams aren't level when fans are there because they can affect the, uh, the confidence of the opposition and they can also affect the motivation of the home team. Like it's, 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 it feels like it's, it's so obvious that making this, this point is reductive. Mm, right. Okay, guys, let's talk about the goals because they did, like, Cam, like um, uh, Justin said there, they did come in the second half and, like, the fight, like the last half an hour. Um, talk to me about that goal because I thought Naby Keita as a whole had a very good game. I thought when I was watching the first half, like, my two kind of highlights were, I, I, you know, I looked at Naby Keita, he looked very lively. I thought Sadio, um, I thought um, Mo Salah looked really good. But that ball by Naby Keita to just, Visit across and you know Sadio Mane there just smashed it. I think it it came. Did it hit the crossbar and then go in? It did, yeah. Um, yeah. Under side crossbar, just just over the line. Then it bounced in, bounced over, obviously bounced over the line and bounced up into the roof of the net again. Um, it also was a really really good pass from Trent to Naby to find him in a really good position in the box. And this is something. Um, Again, touching on our midfield, you know, the, our favourite midfield uh, that's worked all season. Tote do a lot of. Um, they don't get in the box enough. You know, there's no, there's nobody running into the box. There's no numbers in the box. And Naby just showing that by being in the box, you're going to create an opportunity. And it was a really good first time ball from Naby to Sadio. And he, he touched it away brilliantly. I thought, I initially thought you'd missed it because of the way the, the trajectory of the ball looked like it had gone over the bar. So um, but thankfully, yeah, it went in and it really, really good tidy finish. And um, not that we deserve to go in the lead, but when you're champions of the Premier League, uh, you're allowed an off date and, you know, you're allowed to win games by not being brilliant. Absolutely. And Justin, get your thoughts on the goal as well. And, you know, um, uh, maybe how you felt as well, because I think, again, I, I do have to agree with Cam. I was watching that game and maybe we're watching the game from a very different level now where you're kind of thinking, well, we're champions, you know, we just want to kind of break that record. But I was watching Villa and I thought, you know what, they look really disciplined and they're playing really, not really well in terms of all quality of football, but they're set up in a certain way to get a job done. And it, that goal literally just came and I was like, we don't really deserve it, but you take it. So I want to get your thoughts on terms of the build-up of the play, what kind of really impressed you. What, one thing that kind of really stood out for me was when I watched the replay and when Naby Keita puts it across and uh, Sadio Mane scores, I loved the reaction of Naby Keita. The, he just celebrated like any, like, he just looked so overjoyed that his little Bezzy just scored there. Well, I mean, the two of them seem to link up well because they've played together, right? When they were when they were younger players, I think that there's something about understanding how other players play that you know, and chemistry that was was it was it was evidenced in that goal because just it's a perfect ball. It's a type of ball that our midfielders don't play enough. That lo- a low angled pass to the just a, to an area that you might you know see someone score in, and it's just good to see that. And it's it's just a very it's a very nice goal and. Going back to what you're saying about Villa being disciplined and everything, I, I get it. I understand that that's what a lot of have to do to stay in the league. But I also hate seeing that type of strategy work because it just makes for a drab game. Mm-hmm. And uh, in particular also, because I just want Liverpool to win every game that we play because it's kind of the 
you know, kind of the supporter I am. Villa, nice. they play against us. Like, you know, teams that basically their entire premise is to stop you from playing and maybe just hope to catch you on the break. Like, I hate watching teams play that style. It's boring. You want to see teams actually attack each other. But, and, and you want, and like, that's what makes the game more fun to watch. Now, look, I, I, like I said, I understand the teams have to play that way. I just don't like seeing that style rewarded. So how did I feel when we scored? Pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, I know I said, like, you know, the relegation team, they've set up how they wanted to. On a side note, I really don't like Aston Villa. I think it, and it's, it's, I think for me, it kind of started when the Beatles in the semi final of the FA Cup, their fans kind of celebrating that whole, oh, we're going to the final, or they were kind of mocking Steven Gerrard. Since then, I've, I've kind of like taken a kind of dislike to them. They I'm, employ John Terry. I think that's reason enough to also want them not to see success. <laughs> but then they have Pepe Reina, so you're like, oh, I'm conflicted. He's only on loan. There's that as well, I suppose. But yeah, I, I don't really like I don't really like Aston Villa um, for those little reasons. Okay, let's talk about the second goal. And Justin, I will stick with you. It has been um, I don't know a weekend for um, you know youth academy players. You know, um, uh, Curtis Jones loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, great composure signs a contract I think it was literally yesterday uh, scores a goal I really want him to get his um, his appearances I, I truly believe he deserves a, a Premier League medal oh I, I I do too I think that all the guys in this regardless of the amount they play probably have all contributed in some way towards this winning so I think they should all get medal this whole 40 medal limit thing is ridiculous but um, I will say this for the second goal it is shocking what happens when our fullbacks are given more time to play the ball because this goal starts with a great ball from Robert and a great angled ball from Robertson and then Mo having a quiet game Sala still has the presence of mind to get a uh, to you know head the ball back into a player who's got a ton of space and it's a, it's a very good finish from Curtis Jones but he's had a lot of space created for him by two very incisive um balls that found you know that that caught Villa's defense out and it's it's you know that uh, for a moment, just to go on a small thing about Salah, um, I think some people, anybody, I, I think he was very, very good today. I think he was also good against City. I think he's been mm-hmm. really up for things and running things out. Um, and if he plays, and I, and I hate bitching about this because we've just won the title. If he plays for United, considering the, fa- the fact that Tyrone Mings' entire strategy is defending clothesline him, um, he's got three or four penalties today. <laughs> there was at least two situations where Mings. Clear, clearly fouls him. I think one of them was outside. One of them decidedly in the area of the game. Um, so I think Salah actually did a very good job of trying to you know, bring the game to Villa. Uh, I thought Mane actually was pretty good at it too. I just think that they were you know, let down by a bit of what's around them. And then even in a game that's quiet for the both of them, gets himself on the score sheet, the other one assists a goal. Yeah, absolutely lovely stuff. And uh, what kind of wound me up about the whole um, uh, Mo Salah thing was... Um, I think Martin Tyler, we, we obviously watched it on Sky. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Martin Tyler, Justin, but he kind of said, oh, yeah, Salah, he has a reputation for diving. And I'm just like, you know, when you get really angry, but you have to stay we're, calm. We're unfortunately acquainted with Martin Tyler over here. We did have Drury for the game in, in the U.S., but I do know who Martin Tyler is, and I can't hear the name Anthony Martial without being thoroughly sickened by his O-face. 
Yeah, and he was trying to recreate the Aguero moment, which was pretty iconic for him, you know, when Aguero scored that goal. But yeah, um, I completely agree. Calm, I'm going to come to you, Kate Jones. I'm, trying, I'm thinking of like his like little iconic moments. Like, um, you know, of course he scored that. He scored a wonderful goal against Everton um, in the FA Cup. I think he scored, a, was it a decisive penalty against Arsenal? And, yeah. you know, and now, um, uh, you know, this, you know, Premier League goal, uh, you know, you, you got to, you know, comes on and scores a goal and, you know, mixing in with some of the quality players. I think Justin's right. You know, the the the, the build up was really, was really nice. And he was actually involved in it as well. You know, his movement was actually really good to the lead up to the goal. Awareness, yeah, really good. He, he was, yeah. He, uh, he contributed a two or three couple of passes. Uh, in the whole, in the goal, in the lead up to the goal, and then obviously, uh, like Justin says, great ball from Robertson over, good header from uh, Mo, you know, uh, which was I almost thought he was going to try for goal, but he, he obviously he headed it back, and it was a good strike from uh, from Curtis, and the, the deflection helped. Uh, let's not, you know, get away from that. There was a slight deflection on it, but that helped, and it, it was a cracking finish. And it's it's been a great week for the lad. You know, a great ten days, isn't it? So uh, I think that's his uh, third appearance, or it was either Nico Williams's third appearance um, this season. They only need five to get a medal. I'm sort of um, not keen on giving out medals like the confetti. I think you should earn the right of a medal. And I think five appearances now. It's not even minutes. It's just five appearances. You know, let's just get Stevie G and Cara back for the last five games. Sign him up. Get him in the squad. Get him on in the, in the 95th minute each each time. Do, do you not think, though, that guys who are in training every day who do a lot to help prepare the squad, who might be playing, you know, to try to emulate tactics that other teams are playing, but like, do you not think that that's extraordinarily helpful to decide in training? Um, because I think that probably some of our players who we know aren't going to be used in matches uh, probably probably do that and I probably like and that's what I I feel like that's still a contribution that's uh mm. title title winning if not on the if not on the pitch for the actual games. I think as well the psychological edge as well. If you think about it, you're a youth academy player who've who's been called up to train with the first team as well. And imagine seeing these you know, world class, you know, extraordinary footballers take to the field and then you're you see them picking up the winner's medal and then you're sat there thinking, you know what? I didn't get one. I mean, I know like you're probably thinking, well, they're just kids. It's fine. Earn your stripes. But then to kind of be thrown in and, you know, to get their minutes and say, you know what? I was a youngster, but I was part of that team. And I think winning kind of breeds kind of like more winning, you know, like it breeds success. I, I have no qualms about the kids getting medals. I actually love the fact that Jürgen Klopp is strategically trying to bring on the kids as and when he can, just so they can get that medal. I think it means a great deal. To a professional, I mean, what what do you say to that, Cam? I mean, I understand. Yeah, what I, you're I, done. No, I, I I get your point. I get your point. But the hard yards were done by the fifteen, sixteen players to get the mm. to get those points. The hard yards weren't done by having five minutes subs appearances for five games. That's not the hard yards. It's I I appreciate what goes on behind the scene. Um, we we always talk about we want youngsters to come through. Well, for a youngster to come through and and get a medal, come through and do what Trent did. That's what that's what it's about. That's how you earn your stripes. That's how you get a medal. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just it just doesn't wash with me for you know having a, a ten minute cameo here, a five minute cameo there. Um, you know when a game is is clearly won. Um, you know, you're not going to lose. Will you like it? Will you like it as a fan to brag saying, you know what, Neko Williams as a Premier League medal won more than one Bissaka, or you know, Kerry Jones has one over Paul Pogba. We've heard it for years. Yes. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, are, are we as petty as those dirty manks? Too right, we are. <laughs> you have to be, mind you. I have to be as well, considering what I'm surrounded by. But no, I mean. Dejan Dovran has more Premier League medals than Paul Pogba. There's no bigger insult. Mm. Yeah, a few people are kind of typing in the box and they're kind of saying, yes, we should be petty. And Hakim is kind of pretty much agreeing with um, Justin there saying six days of training, um, uh, you know, isn't important. Um, I, I, I didn't say six days of training isn't important. I've not said that at all. I said you earn, you earn your stripes on the pitch. The training part I get is important. For these youngsters to be training with first-team squad is massive for them. You've got to earn the right to train with the first-team squad. You don't just go and train with the first-team squad. You've got to show qualities. I get that. You know, you've got to be, you've got to be, you want to, you want to make these, these kids hungry to want these medals. To just give them a medal for 25 minutes on the football pitch. Uh, sorry. It just doesn't wash for me. That's just what, the way I am. But then, Cam, I mean, I'm not trying to convince you, I'm not trying to bend your arm, but you yeah. know some of these kids kids like, you know, your Harvey Elliott's and your Williams and, of course, um, your Jones, they were quite key and took a lot of pressure in terms of, like, the FA Cup. But that's the FA Cup then, isn't it? It's not the league. Yeah, but what I'm saying yeah. is, had we gone full-on, full squad with, like, the FA Cup as well, you know, like, potentially that could have hindered our league form and things like I understand yeah, what you're I, I get I, that but then that comes down to the depth in the squad in the first couple of years when Jürgen was here he never used to throw the kids on because he used to turn around look at the bench and say I've got I can't do anything I've got kids on the bench he never put them on he, he actually turned around and used to say that I couldn't put them on because the, you know was, we were in a pressure situation we couldn't put them on I'd, yeah, and I love yeah. that because in yeah. the past we have been so guilty of putting so much pressure on our kids. And I always think of Raheem Sterling, you know, I always think about what we put on that kid's shoulders at a very young age. Yeah. and but, Which is why I don't like to put, like, every time I see the kids play, I'm like, just go out there and enjoy your football. You know, play. I, th- I think that also the thing that you keep in mind is that and Klopp is a significantly better manager and man manager than Brendan Rodgers with young players. Mm. I completely agree with you. I com- I do completely. I love the way that you know, like the way he has been bringing on these youngsters. He brings them on when the game is pretty much secured, done and dusted. And you know, either we're we're really winning or like against Man City, he threw on um, Williams again. You know, the game was pretty much lost. You know, no pressure kind of game. But for me, I think. I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I think this is going into a full-on debate. Or, oh, you know, people have their own, you know, personal preferences as to what qualifies for it. For me, I think the fact that they actually have a Premier League winners' medal is huge. And if they're training and they hold part of it and they sit on the bench, it's not like Jurgen Klopp has randomly just called these kids in the last five games. So I, I feel like they do deserve it. I mean, just like we're gonna, you know, the. I, I'm pretty sure, like, the, you know, like, 
you, you acknowledge the physios and you acknowledge the doctors and you, you acknowledge the medical staff and the nutrition staff and, you know, all, all different staff. And I think that these youngsters should be no different. That's a fair point. Because they are part of, you know, the, the, the bigger thing. But like I said, each, you know, everyone has their own, you know, their own opinion on this. Um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm right and you're wrong because, you know, it's an opinion. It doesn't matter. You just respect and you move on. Guys, I think we pretty much spoke about a majority of that game. Is there anything that kind of stands out that you kind of want to raise or talk about before we kind of call it a day? Alison Becker. That's true. That's <laughs> It's funny you say Alison Becker. I was going to say Virgil van Dijk, and the fact that Virgil made the rare actual mistake. He did, he didn't he? He bailed himself out of it too because he's just that kind of guy. Yeah, he, he put the team under a lot of pressure with that mistake, and he didn't do it a lovering in the end and just you know concede a goal. He, he rectified the mistake, and it was, the, a, the, it was a bad mistake for him as well. Oh yeah, the two of them are boringly good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Alison Becker, that like Nina touched on that save at the end. Um, though, his positioning is perfect. He, he, and that's, he is the number one goalkeeper in the world. And, you know, to cover the goal the way he did, because the shot from Grealish at the end, it was a really good shot. It was, it was going into the bottom corner. But it, Ederson it, it, passes the ball through the other team's midfields and then gets lobbed from away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, did. He, he got loved today, didn't he? So, um, yeah, I mean, like uh, Alison Becker, uh, I mean, the number of times he's done that this season, though, um, a big save at the end of the game. And considering we've won, what, 14 games this season, I think it is, by one goal, you can't, you know, discount the how huge a factor that is to have such a good goalkeeper. He leads the Premier League in the clean sheets in 10 games. Missed nine games, was it? Nine or nine, ten? Nine, nine. It was nine or ten. So, so there yeah, he, yeah. He's got a missing about a third of the season to lead the league in clean sheets. I know. It's just ridiculous. So, um, you know, that, that's not just obviously um, Becker on his own for keeping those clean sheets. That's, you know, that's uh, down to the likes of Fabinho and the back four, you know, offering the protection when we got the uh, obviously the, our two number eight protecting our marauding fullbacks, that makes a big difference as well. Um, and let's not you know goals win matches, but clean sheets and defenses win titles. You sounded so much like Jurgen Klopp there. Okay, I think we've come to the end of the show, guys. You're. Um... I know it wasn't a great game, but who are you going to give man of the match to? I didn't do it for the Man City game because I was just embarrassed. Um, so, guys, um, who was your man of the match? Who really impressed you? Um, Cam, I'll come to you first. I wouldn't say anybody really stood out. Um, I, I think overall, I would give it just to Naby. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, you know, even then, nobody was fantastic for me. No. Um, but, but just for Naby, uh, I think he... He tried to um, have more of a, an impact on the game. You know, uh, he tried to create. He, he was trying to move the ball, um, and he was always available. He, he he didn't disappear. He was willing to to try things. So for me, it was just just about Naby over over Sadio for me. Nice. And I think uh, Naby Keita had the most touches against Man City when he came on as well. And I kind of said I'd love to see him start against Villa, and he did. 
for me, he was, like, I call it the best out of the kind of bad bunch because, like I said, I don't think we're playing like we usually play. So, um, Justin, you're a man of the match. Nabi Keita. Um, I think he was just, I think he was just our best player on the balance of the 80 odd minutes he played. Creates the, creates the breakthrough or the ball that basically you'd fancy either, either of our forwards to finish. Found Mane. Mane finished it. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's him with an honorable mention going to Al Becker. Nice. Okay. Um, so that was the end of this show. Thank you so much for everyone listening. Before I let the lads go, I'm going to let them do some plugs. And Cam, I'll come to you first. Where can people find you, AI Pods? Plug away. It's yours. Anything that you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, uh, you can find me on the usually weekly. Not well. We try to do it weekly. Uh, the main AI Pod on the free site, and uh, that's with obviously the wonderful host Trev Downey um, and my great uh, co. Uh, what's the word? Conspirator? Yeah. No, conspirator. Because okay. we're we're a bit like that uh, in a. Carl Kopak, the Sensei, and uh, we're a brilliant producer guy in the background. And you can find me on Twitter uh, at CamBrainchy. So, um, yeah, hit me up. Uh, I'll, I'll follow you back. I won't talk to you, but I will follow you back. Do give him a follow. And Justin, what about yourself? Anything to plug, anything you'd like to say? And, you know, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Chavez R-O-L-L-S, on S-H-A. BBOS. It is a Big Lebowski reference. If you haven't seen Big Lebowski, do so. And uh, there's going to be a US pod at some point in the near future. It was, it was supposed to be this week, but I spent most of my week in house. So I will be, uh, prob- So we're probably going to get together this week for a reunion of the United States pod. I can't wait. Will the whole gang be together? We should be. Good. I can't wait. That should be very you exciting. Know, we- I'm looking forward to that. I do love. I actually love the USA podcast and I also love the fact that you kind of bring a lot of analogies from, you know, uh, baseball and, you, you know, you, you talk about other American sports and, you know, people like me are like really like not educated or clued up at all. So like when I listen, I, I feel like I've like learned so much when really I know nothing. It's, 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 it's a great pod, people. So do listen to that podcast and the chemistry is brilliant on that podcast. For my part, there's so much awesome content on AI at the moment. Um, some wonderful podcasts on AI Pro. You know, you have like, you know, the likes of AI Scouted. You know, um, there'll be an under pressure. Um, Media Matters was really good with John Harding. Um, we spoke about Jurgen Klopp. I, I can't stress that one enough. Have, you know, I really enjoyed that one. Got some great feedback as well. Also, the new show, I don't know if you've checked it out, League of Our Own, um, episode one's out. It's incredible, so do check that out. Um, also, AI um, uh, AI Shop, the, it's doing really well. Thank you so much for supporting the merchandise. I'm glad you really like the designs. Uh, Gags is usually really good at doing the whole plug thing. I clearly am not, but guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. We're back to winning ways. Not that it really matters. We're champions, but let's, let's try making some more history. Till next time, take care. Look after yourselves. Stay at home and up the reds.
Social Podcast Network.